Voluntary Input is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast, make money doing it. Go to anchor.fm slash start to join a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. Voluntary input tonight. My guest is Mr. Filippo Levati, and I hope I said that right. He's been trying to train me on that before we got started. He is the head of UX cust- uh, customer experience at Zappos. Let's go ahead and bring him on. Good evening, sir. Good evening. How are you doing today? Did I I messed up your name again? Didn't I? No, no. <laughs> this time you really nailed it. I can't <laughs> complain. This time you did it. So. As we get started, can um, first of all, I like to ask everyone. You know, twenty twenty's been a ride. How's it treated you? Well, did start pretty well because, to be fair, I had a rocky twenty nineteen. So I was really putting a lot of hopes and dreams into two thousand and twenty. <laughs> January went okay, and then being born and raised in Italy. And my family, the bulk of my family, they are still in Italy. They started um, sending me texts and emails about this virus that was uh, taking a hold of northern Italy. And I was like, yeah, that hopefully it's not too bad. And then, right. uh, you know, I went from a really good January and then it slowly kind of dipped. Um, and then, you know, it's, um, it's been a ride. You know, I have had good things happening uh, in 2020. So I can't complain too much. I feel that after March kind of hit um, a nice um, routine, you know, we work and everything working from home. Uh, at first it was really, really weird, you know. Yeah. It, it was hard to go from the bedroom to the studio, to, the, to my office mm-hmm. and uh, call that the commute, the new commute. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, overall, overall it went well. I mean, it's, it's okay. It, in, if you had asked it, had asked me in March, I would have told you, "Oh, this year is going to be terrible." But now, right. in December, you know, I don't know if it's because of the holiday and Christmas, or just because you know, all, you know, lately I've I've had a little bit of luck. But I, w- I will say that I thought it will go, it will be much much worse. But it actually it's not too bad personally. It's it kind of went okay, wrapped up nice at the end of the year. So don't complain. That's that's good. Um... Well, you kind of touched on it a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Are you from Northern Italy? Italy, or? Yep, born and raised. I was uh, born in this small town near Milano. Milano, of course, being the second biggest city in uh, Italy, second to Rome, of course. Um, I was born probably like an hour, an hour and 15 with traffic outside of Milano. So... Uh, I was born in a small town, 4,000 people at, at the time. So 
Yeah, a relatively small town, even for Italy. And um, grew up in this small town, uh, you know, nothing much happened growing up, you know, regular childhood that most folks have had. And then uh, I kind of went off to college and I wanted to study psychology. Oh, before, before I expand on college, the cool thing in Italy that not a lot of folks know about is that you get to pick your major in high school. How about that? Yeah. Right. I think they're kind of, kind of leaning towards that here now. Well, maybe not pick it, but they start directing you. I yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Because it is a direction, like you pick a direction, but then of course right. you can go to a different college and then you can, you know, drop out of college, change college. You still have options. But what I found interesting is that it, it allows you to start making some decisions early on. So at least when you get out of high school, you have a little bit better understanding of the, either the job that you may, uh, the job market that you may want to have, or, you know, opens up a little, a little more opportunities, I will say, but right. I chose art school. So let me, let me rephrase that art <laughs> high school. And, <laughs> and it sounds weird. Within art high school, there were a couple of different branches. So you could choose architecture, graphic design, um, I guess, plastic materials, AKA sculpture. Hmm. And then I think the fourth branch that you could choose were the first, the fourth specialization was conservation of art. So study to be a museum, um, a, a curator, a curator, curator. Yeah. So I chose graphic design. And mm -hmm. spent, you know, five years doing that. Of course, you also have regular subjects like math and Italian and history and all of that. And then when I got out of high school, I thought that I wanted to be a, um, I wanted to become a therapist. So I wanted to, I went to psychology when I started psychology and I could not make it through the first uh, trimester. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's weird. And this is something that... I, rem I still, I remember like it was yesterday. I, I had a conversation with myself because I started expanding on, psych on psychology and that was fun, but then there was so much statistics and math and it's not like <sighs> I don't like math, right? I, I, oh, I, I like I, math. I hate statistics too, <laughs> as a, as a course. I, oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's not, like I don't, I don't like that. It's that the the academic version of it, it it was extremely boring for me and i i yeah i had this moment of truth when i told myself look i spent the last 14 no i spent the last 13 years sitting in classrooms and studying most of the most of the subjects were not that interesting to me i i <laughs> sat through them i didn't necessarily enjoy them so and that was fine because even though I sat through them, I really learned, uh, still learned something, right? But I, I was a point in my life where I'm like, I'm 18, going 19. I did that for the past almost 15 years. I'm not going to do that to myself anymore. And right. I quit. <clears throat> and right after that, I had the opportunity to get an internship with a, a design agency. I'm talking about design as in web design and graphic design. So as soon as that opportunity opened up to me. I jumped right through that, uh, into that and absorbed as much as I could. After the internship was over, I think it was three months, 
they mm-hmm. decided to keep me on because I was so passionate about it. I wasn't necessarily amazing right off the gate. Right. I was very passionate about it. I was working 10, 12 hours a day. I was starting to get my own clients, which is as an intern at the time, it was pretty um, uh, unheard of, probably. Well, yeah. at, at least in that part of the, of, the, of, the, of the country. Remember that Italy is a few years back, a few years mm-hmm. uh, you know, with, 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 with um, design and user experience, it's not as caught up as the US is. But um, that's where I started uh, getting really passionate about web design and graphic design. I was not, it, it's a passion that grew and mm-hmm. it started out as, you know, this is a cool internship. I want to learn more about this. And then over the years, it became my career and it became, I became really passionate about that. And, you know, for the, right. it, that was, I spent two years with a the company. Then I, I opened my own little agency and it was cool because that for a couple of years there, I was both a professional musician and a web designer. So I would go on tour with my band for, let's say, a month, month and a half, come back, get a couple of jobs or gigs, you know, with the agency, go on tour again. So it was nice. Oh, especially uh, at that young age. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, early to mid-20s, right? Wow. What what, uh, instrument do you play? Guitar. Guitar. Nice. I think play is a big word. The instrument I uh, uh, fiddle with, is (laughs) very modest i like it (laughs) well you were touring so you must you know you must be pretty good you wouldn't keep getting gigs well i think you have a a very uh you're overestimating um (laughs) what it takes to go on tour but uh it was it was fun i mean Right. I, I, the part that I enjoyed the most was not necessarily the uh, practice my um, the guitar craft, but I really enjoyed uh, writing song. And this, sorry, did you want to, you wanted to uh, expand on that? Same here. It's a a thing that a lot of my friends know. I used to dabble a lot in music myself, uh, keyboard. Um, and I, I did a thing when I was like 19 and I left home and I was going to be the next big thing. And then you know how that happens. And after a while, it's like, no, nah, I got to go back home. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. I, I still, um, from time to time, still, you know, play some music, uh, work on stuff with friends and whatnot. So. Yeah. It, it's, um, it, it, even to this day, I'm not playing as much anymore uh, right because ultimately i moved to the us because of the band and um while i was oh, also really? studying yes um and then i uh the band was and well it was a couple of reasons the band was like a big one but it didn't work out <laughs> as well as, as i thought it would yeah and <laughs> I, I understand, yeah. And I'm sure a lot of people watching and listening have probably been through that too. We we get it. <laughs> it it's tough, man. It's tough. It is. There yeah. are more, um, a rule that I try to, I think a lot of people should understand because everyone looks at the stars and they go, oh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. The fact is there's more, I mean, not to discourage people, but there's more failures than 
that level of success when it comes to music. So it's just being realistic, you know? Yeah. Also, I don't think it's well known what some of these big stars go through to get right. to the point. We all want their fame and their money but and their status, but yeah. I don't want their life. Honestly, no. it's, it's, it's miserable. Not, not that they live miserable lives, but the, the, the amount of time that you have to dedicate to get to where they got and the, the, the things that you need to do. Um, and, um, yeah. it's, it's, it's a very, very tough life. And, you know, they, it's they were able, I mean, anything worth having takes a lot of hard work, of but course. that is a lot of hard work. Yeah. It's yeah. consuming. Right. So it, you basically at that point, your friendships, lifestyle, uh, family, <laughs> hobbies or lack of hobbies it really all depends around it all revolves around this thing right yeah so the friends that you have and all of that depends on this this thing here yeah. i um you know before moving to las vegas where i'm right right now i lived in uh, southern california for a while and la is full of people like that like people mm -hmm. that you know move to la to give it a go at either the music business or now there's a lot of tech but you know of course the entertainment industry and it's hard to it, it's it's a it's a tough um it's a t these are tough industries and uh yeah hard work definitely plays a huge role but there are other things that you need to do that uh, take a lot of uh courage and i'm not necessarily the best one to speak of those because of course you know I'm not, <laughs> I didn't make it, so I can't tell you what exactly what to do, but understood. Yeah. Yeah. So then we get to user experience. Can you explain what that is? User experience and design. So design is a little bit easier to define. User experience is really it's a little bit harder because we all, for lack of a better word, experience it differently. And mm -hmm. depending on the person, whether you know you have a more tech savvy person or more, or someone that is is used to certain type of lingo, you can define it a couple of different ways. But I think that the the, the, the shortest version that I can that I have to explain it is interaction. Right. So. <clears throat> we all have experienced interaction right whether uh with a digital product with a physical product and i specialize in digital products of course whether it's an app that is made for the phone or the computer um, you know you interact with these things so someone has right. to take care of that interaction otherwise if it goes unmanaged it's not the user is not going to be thrilled about that interaction. It could go really, really poorly. Imagine right. landing on an e-commerce website and you can't check out, or you land on an e-commerce website and you can't absolutely find what you're looking for, even though they have it, search doesn't work for you, or on a social network that doesn't load for you. That is a poor interaction. So, right. You need to have people that manage that interaction, whether it's you clicking a button, you landing on a page and navigating the page, or you navigating an entire app, signing up, and then doing what the app is supposed to do, say like Airbnb, where you book travel. 
someone is managing all of those little interactions to make them go a certain way. Right. As an industry, we want them to delight our users. So that's why we call it the user experience. We want to make sure that the experience that the users have with the app, with the website, is uh, it goes above and beyond and most importantly, solves a problem. So in a way, we are trained problem solvers because we want to make sure that an interaction that is born of a need, a frustration, or a problem from the user, we actually provide a solution for. Mm. And that solution is flawless. It's something that adds on to the, to the users, the customer's life. And, um, and that's pretty much what we do all day. Now, moving away from this more philosophical definition of it, if I have to put it into very, very simple terms, let's say we all have experienced uh, issues with Amazon at some point. Like we all use Amazon. We use, you know, sometimes, you know, you can't check out or you have a problem with, you know, you can't click a button. That is poor user experience. And people like me analyze that, make that they figure out either, either talking with the users or talking with, you know, looking at the data, say, oh, users are having a problem here. Let's, mm -hmm. you know, let's go in and fix it with design. So we design a different page. We design a different product. And then if you zoom out a little bit, we also, what we do, which is what I am really excited about, <clears throat> is we actually create the products, making, you know, starting from scratch. So interviewing people, we understand what their problems are, what their frustrations are with a certain uh, um, process or with, with just overall what problems they have. And we create apps or we create websites to solve for those problems, say like Airbnb or Uber, or mm -hmm. even Amazon is, is actually solving a, pro a problem, right? shopping, you do it online, you don't go to the store. So we create these, uh, we start, um, we create these, these solutions based on users' problems. Right. Does that make sense? Am it I going does. to ask? No, I think it makes it. I, I, what I find interesting is you started off in school in psychology and then you hated it. <laughs> But everything you just described involves a lot of psychology. I mean, right? Yes, but if you Understanding remember- Understanding people and yeah. I didn't say that I didn't like psychology. I said <laughs> that I quit because of math. That's the, oh, the, that's the, right. Very yeah. different things. <laughs> that's right, that's two different things. Which is, it, it's even more hilarious because data is everything to me. So mm -hmm. whether I like it or not, numbers and uh, data, that's, you know, something that that's I all deal you with see. Day. Yeah. So how did you end up at Zappos? Oh, that is from a, a rock question. star. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Zappos. All right. So when I moved to the US and while I was going to school um, for English, the second language, I was also <clears throat> playing, you know, in this band and the uh, um, after I got married, uh, I, I looked for a job and I picked back up, you know, what, where I left off back in, uh, back in Italy mm -hmm. and I looked for web design and graphic design. And then I, I, I learned that, Hey, here in, in this market, there is such a thing as user experience and user interface. What are right. these things? So learn more about that. 
I got my first job in user experience and then slowly worked in uh, into this big co um, <clears throat> company, worked up the ladder a little bit. And then after that, for a year to a year and a half, I worked for a design agency again. And that was fun because I got a lot of uh, interesting clients, you know, the LA landscape, what well, I was living at the, in LA at the time, but the LA landscape in terms of tech is very mm. rich. Yeah, you, ha you have a lot of different startups. Um, and I worked for a few of them. Um, uh, I worked for a, a dating website. I worked for a real estate app. Uh, great times, great times. <laughs> and um, even though I was having fun, I wanted to find something that was a little bit more stable. So job search, and I, find, uh, I found Zappos. And at the time, I was living in Southern California, so I had to move to, to Las Vegas, Nevada, and you know, talk to my wife about it. We came out a couple of times to check out how Vegas was, loved it, and ultimately decided to move out here. And the reason why I chose Zappos is because it's really a customer service company. I mean, All if right. you look at the one of their our taglines is Zappos is a service company that happens to sell blank. Hmm. Now we sell show, shoes, clothing, accessories, handbags, right. but we are a service company first and foremost. Now, what that means is that, I don't know if you, if you have ever called the Zappos customer service, but we have no scripts. Mm. We, our agent routinely stay on, on the line with customers for hours. In fact, our, longer, our longest uninterrupted phone call is 10 hours, 50 minutes with the same customer. Oh my gosh, I, I couldn't hang on. That's, that's because that, that's, that's, a, that's a lot, right? That's a lot of yeah. time. I... We, we empower our customer service agents to do whatever it is that they can do to, to provide service to our customers. Right. So that was, that and our core values is really what interested in me interested me in applying for zappos and it's something that i still value every day and i love working there it's definitely different from any other job i've ever had the culture is very is very different it's very it, it feels more like you're part of a family i know that sounds cliche right but it, right, it is, but... i i can tell you that within my team I've been with, with my specific team for the last two years. Not once we have had any drama. Not once. So in that's a way, it's actually a different. Yeah. If, you, if you grew up with my family, that's not necessarily the family I was referring to because in my family, uh, hot Italian family, there's plenty of drama. But I'm talking about <laughs> the family spirit of you know, um, clear communication, um, right. no drama, and really people that care about you as an individual and care about the welfare of the team. So it's, it's, really, it's really a great position. It's a great company to work for. And if I could go back, I will do the exact same thing a thousand times. So That's awesome. And you talked about um, solving people's problems. I've also, I've also been a long time proponent and believer that technology 
can be used to solve people's problems. I mean, that's what technology should be all about. It should be there to help people not replace people, not hurt people. What do you think drives that passion in you? Hmm. That is a really good question. And there are a lot of different ways I can, uh, we can go about it. But I think that there are, at least now that I can think of, there are two, two main things. The first one is empathy. Mm. I, I don't know, this is probably why, because you know, the way I'm wired, but I like uh, to empathize with my customer. I spend an enormous amount of time talking to the, use, the, 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 the customers that I have. My direct users, I use customers and users interchangeably. So I know that some people frown, on that, frown upon that, but I have my reasons. So if you, if you hear me say customer and user, <laughs> I'm talking about the same person. But my main users are the customer service agents because, as you mentioned, my team uh, the customer service technology team, we provide the tools and services that our world-class customer service team uses to ultimately serve our customers. So there are other designers and UX designers that work on the, the website, what you use, like Zappos.com. I work a little bit more behind the scenes and hmm. indirectly with the customers while providing our agents with everything they need. So I spend, well, I, our team spend, we spend a lot of time talking to our agent. We really want to understand their problems, their frustrations, their concerns, their needs, their wants. We want to make sure that we understand that from the moment they wake up in the morning, knowing that they're going to have to get to the computer to work, to when their shift is over. And beyond that, we want to understand that their headspace because the products that we want to build, they're not, they're not going to use their computer in a vacuum. They, right. or they work with a certain baggage of, uh, of issues in their personal life. And we want to make sure that we take a lot of cognitive um, load away from using the tools so they can actually, they don't feel totally drained at the end of the day. Right, just right, right. the things that they were trying to do. But <clears throat> overall, I love that side of it. I love flexing my empathy muscle. Is that, mm -hmm. is that English? But I I'm like sure it. you understand. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> my because empathy muscle. My I think I'm going to use muscle. that. Let <laughs> me write that down. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Well, I was going to ask you about career milestones, anyone that you may be proud of. And it sounds like doing what you're doing now is probably it. Yeah. 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 Um, so, oh, go ahead. They wanted to add a big milestone that um, we're working on that I, I think it's one of my, um, my favorite things. So our... Our agents, customer service agents, that is, they have a suite of, of tools that they use to serve the customer. The default one that came with, let's just say, the company that we work with wasn't necessarily helping our agents. It was actually a pretty big hindrance. It was they had to constantly find workarounds. 
So we took mm. it upon ourselves to build our own homegrown tool to replace that suite of products so that can, as I said before, we can really solve their problem, help so that we can empower them with the tools to help the customers. All right. And so we spent the past two years, two and a half, building this new tool for them. Of course, I can't share that much because it's an internal tool of a, of a you know, <laughs> of Zappos. <laughs> but I, that, that is my, that is, you know, I, I'm not going to lie to you. There are certain mornings where I wake up and I'm like, yes, let's work on this thing. It really gets me out of, literally gets me out of bed because. That's awesome. Especially at the beginning when we started from scratch, we had nothing. We only, what we only, what we had was feedback from our agents that the tools that they had were painful for them. Mm. And we would dig, did dig a little deeper to understand exactly what was the problem, what they were trying to do. They were, they were not able to do because of this. And we built the tool based on that. So we have every time one of the, one of the new agents switches over to the tool that we built, they stick with it. Why? Because it's solving their problem. Right. So I've, I've experienced that in my career, like using different ticketing systems. Oh, it can be a pain. Some of them are great. And then there's some, it's like, oh my goodness. And I worked for a company once, uh, we were actually using a piece of software that was meant for development workflow, but we were using it as a ticketing system. And it was a nightmare. It was constantly telling my director, we've got to do something about this because that's not what this is for. But we're trying to make it do something that it's not designed for. So, yeah, that's yeah, it doesn't sound good. <laughs> it wasn't. It was not a good experience. So if anyone is looking into getting into this field, what would you what would you suggest? Well, first off, great job. This is an amazing field and it's growing. And a lot of people are now switching over from diverse type of careers into user experience. Mm -hmm. And I know that because outside of Zappos, I'm also a mentor. I am a mentor on Springboard. Springboard is, an, is a great bootcamp for uh, not only for UX, but also for developers, data scientists and it's a, it's, a, it's a very solid program, and most of the students take around nine months to complete it. And along the way, they have an assigned mentor that makes sure that they are uh, sticking to the, the, uh, the curriculum, that they are motivated. So, and, and, you know, I, I have a couple of different mentors that I, uh, I have the honor to kind of follow through this journey. I give them feedback. I see them grow. It's amazing. And a lot of these folks come from either, you know, I don't know, education, education. Um, industry like the HR, uh, the public sector, it's a very big growing industry. So hat, you know, kudos to you for moving over to UX or being interested in it. So one of the things, there are a lot of great communities on Medium, medium.com. Mm -hmm. uh, the first one that comes to mind is UX Collective. But I would say search for stories of people that have been in this industry for a while. Um, you can also reach out to me um, and I will be more than happy to connect uh, with uh, the folks that are interested in learning more. But uh, Medium will be the first 
um, place to go. There are a lot of different folks that are, recommend a lot of different books. I think there are books that are better than others. Um, I will say uh, the um, I'm terrible with authors. I am a little bit better with titles, so I can give you some titles, but I, don't ask me for the authors. And I'm going to try to really enunciate them so that everyone can uh, <laughs> I'll try to remove some of the accent. The first one will be The Design of Everyday Things. That is a great book and dives deeper into the why behind some of the things that we use every day. And then one of, another one of my favorites is Hooked. And don't make me think. These are some of the books that I like I, that one. Yeah, <laughs> I like the sound of that. <laughs> These are some some of uh, the great places where to start. Also, the UX the UX uh, community is, is uh, growing both on YouTube and on Reddit. So there is really no excuse nice. for anyone not to be able to find any user experience examples out there. You, you you put user experience on Google like it just as a query, you're gonna find oh, I don't know many gazillion <laughs> of results. So there's really right. it's not a secret anymore. It's not an industry secret anymore. It's out there for everyone to see. And if you want to get into this field, you need some level of empathy. You need some level of curiosity because you you want to have um, that level of interest in digging deeper into problems and really find solutions and so you have you need to have that empathy then that curiosity to allow for free to allow you to do that and then one of my favorite things you need to this is not necessarily a have to this is something that i have and that i i enjoy the most and kind of goes back to the question that you asked me before about why I got into UX. It's because I am a builder at heart. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So if you that's, like building things, that's the industry for you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, in your bio that I've read, you mentioned a love for food <laughs> and being Italian, by the way, Italian food, it's probably my favorite food, but what's, what's, uh, what are some of your, what about holiday favorites since it's that time of year? That is a great question. So when it comes to holiday favorites, it's, it's a little tricky because you see Italy is filled with local traditions and local, especially when it comes to food. Right. So each little town is going to have a slightly different accent and it's going to have a slightly different dialect and it's going to have a slightly different uh, set of traditions where it comes to food. So oh, okay. I am slightly outside of Milano. So my hometown, you know, my, my, my grandfather's one was a, was a blacksmith. The other one was, a, was in constructions. Uh, and their parents were farmers, and the parents of their parents were farmers. So it's a, it's a very, um, it's not a rural, of course, but it's a very kind of a farm type of uh, land or like region where I am from. And right. which, by the way, reminds me, sometimes I forget that I was born 45 minutes away from the birthplace of uh, Parmigiano Reggiano. 
which is the same place where prosciutto was well i don't know if it was born there but it was definitely <laughs> they have definitely perfected it in parma and I, where i'm from it's like 45 minutes away and i'm also from the region of lasagna and gnocchi oh lasagna, lasagna is probably my favorite and my wife makes oh, it's just excellent we just had it not too long ago actually about two weeks ago <laughs> well you know growing up we had this very very unique type of i will call it a ravioli because its proper proper noun is a little bit uh it, like if you go even in italy outside of my hometown they have no idea what those things are um but they are mm. called in italian would be anolini in my dialect they will be envoy and they are essentially a little bit of a a cross between a dumpling and a ravioli. And I'm, I'm about to get hungry. <laughs> the best is, is still to come. They're filled with broth and chicken. Oh. So, and cheese. And um, so that will be one of the first thing that will come out for the holidays. Like you will, um, of course, with the family, you will get to, we will celebrate always Christmas day at lunch. Well, lunchtime, like around 12, 12, 30 p.m. Yeah. We will get together. There will be my family and then, you know, uh, relatives from all over. And then uh, we first off, there will be cold cuts. You have salami, prosciutto, cotta. Prosciutto. Yeah. yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> so we will have all of that and uh, maybe some cheese, some... Um, uh, pickled onions or vegetables, whatever it was. And then you, we will have anolini, and then we will have a nice big roast. And then, um, yeah, and then we will have dessert. And then you will have your coffee with your grappa. And you were sliding in a nice nap. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds perfect. So do, do you cook at home? Is there anything that you specialize in or? Uh, or is your wife just handle it all? My right? wife, so my wife was born in the U.S. She is half Irish from her father's side. Her father is first generation. And she's Italian from her, her mom's side. Her, her mom is first generation. So uh, grandparents from both sides came from the old country. Mm. So my wife, she's a really good uh, cook. She's a great cook. Especially if she, uh, she's going to end up watching this. She's a great cook. <laughs> Best cook you know, right? <laughs> Hands down. <laughs> so <laughs> she, um, we started a new tradition here because those um, type of ravioli that I used to, we used to make in my, um, back in Italy that, you know, didn't I don't know the recipe and it's very regional, whatever. So we started, we have a lasagna, we have a Christmas lasagna tradition. Mm -hmm. So this year with, uh, with COVID, we can't have relatives from California over. So we're going to have a couple of our friends and they are um, uh, Jewish. So we have to make, we're going to make them a kosher lasagna, which is going to be a white lasagna, a white vegetarian lasagna. Mm -hmm. So uh, but we're also going to have the regular lasagna on the side, just to make sure that we uh, uh, 
you know, we can try both. But I'm really right. excited for that. And normally we make the dough ourselves. So I'm excited to do that. It's a great activity. You know what? It's a very relaxing and it really connects me with my wife. It's a it's a great activity. I will recommend anyone out there. You know, if you um if you want to spend something some some time, you know, doing something with your partner, I will recommend some make some lasagna dough. Mm. Uh, machine doesn't cost that much. It's one with and if you have especially the the one we have the one yeah, with the just crank it. Yeah. And you can also make tagliatelle. And the cool thing about the about that fresh pasta is that you put it in the pot, and in two, three minutes tops, you're done. There's it's there's no it's no pasta shoot where you have to put you know the regular pasta where you have to put it in the water for like 10, 15 minutes depending on the thickness. Fresh right. pasta, you're sometimes even one minute is you know you're done. But that's our new tradition. So we have the Christmas lasagna back in Italy, a little bit different, but yeah. <laughs> It's funny that you say that we have, um, we have a young one. He's 11 now. And I think he was about six or seven. We were in church and they would do this program with all the kids. And before the program, they, they did like an interview with them on camera and they asked them, what, what's a Christmas tradition that you do? And he said, Christmas lasagna. And we just cracked up because we didn't have a Christmas lasagna tradition. <laughs> and we still, to this day, make fun of him about it. And he he couldn't say lasagna. He said Christmas fasagna. So Close enough. <laughs> yeah, we were like, where did that even come from? <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, there is... Um, so... If anyone out there that is watching this or, or will watch this in the future, if you have a CC, if you are Sicilian or you, are, you have Sicilian relatives, don't come after me if I'm butchering this. But I believe that in Sicily they do have a holiday like a Christmas e Christmas ish lasagna that has seafood in it. And this is another thing. I'm Italian. I'm the only one in my family that cannot stand seafood. I haven't, oh. I have, I've had had it. I probably had it last time when I was five and that's it. Wow. I can't oh. stand it. I love seafood though, personally, but I'm one of those people. I, I kind of love everything. So it's hard for me to tell you things I don't like. Well, so, yeah. define everything because I'm kind of a foodie. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. So, so we ha we have children that are adopted from Ethiopia. I love Ethiopian cuisine too, and it's a lot of spices. Let me tell you. So. <laughs> really, you know, yeah. I um, what was what what would you say is the um, your favorite Ethiopian specialty? Um, tips, and after that, probably Dorawat. Uh. I, I'm not, not not sure what that is. I'm sorry. Borowat is like it's chicken, lots of spices, and and then there's hard boiled eggs in it as well. Oh, and then Tibbs is basically cubes of beef with lots of uh, uh, there's like rosemary and thyme in it. And, all sorts of other spices. <laughs> so. You're killing me, man. It's it's uh, it's six forty-five here. <laughs> it's about to get. I'm, I'm gonna have dinner right after this because I, mean, I, I, I 
between me talking about food and you talking about food now it brutal yeah (laughs) (laughs) well like i we started the show off talking about how 2020 has been kind of a well everybody knows it's been a a sloth of a year what's some encouragement you would offer people to end Mm. it out right so something that has worked for me in this year has been rethink purpose and rethink goals. Yeah. So I know that this may sound a little too uh, conceptual and abstract, but if you don't understand what you're trying to achieve behind, you know, behind your actions, then you're just going to go, it's like fling, going around like this, flinging your hands around doing right. stuff, right? There, there's no meaning behind what you do. So I would say rediscover what your goal is. And, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm purposely keeping it um, agnostic uh, because I know that folks out there may not be into religion. So I just wanted this to be for everyone. If you, um, if you are religious, I will say, see how you can tie that into how you can, maybe you can find your, your rediscover your purpose through that. If right. you're not, um, purpose is shouldn't necessarily be something that is tied to any 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 religion. You know, you, what, like what's your purpose? Not just a, the purpose in life may be a little bit too broad to tackle first, but like the purpose of let's say first quarter of 2021. What mm. what are the things like? What are you gonna be? What, what's gonna be your focus? Right? If you if you block that out for Q1 of 2021. And, you know, if that with your purpose, you know, what are some of the goals that you can set up? And maybe just one or two to follow that purpose. And then you see, you see how you go. Don't, if, if it doesn't work out, don't just abandon the entire concept of it. Just change the goal, change the purpose. Give it a nice, good try. And if it doesn't work, you find that you might iterate on, on that. That's fine. As long as you keep being purposeful and you keep having goals then you're gonna you're gonna find a reason to do things because ultimately it's it's hard to enjoy what you do if there is nothing behind it you're gonna abandon it right Right. i cannot tell you how many um i can remember when i was living in la i started doing uh, martial arts uh just out of a whim and I stuck with it for a year and a half. And then I didn't, it became a, you know, when it, something becomes such a chore that, you know, you have to convince yourself to do it. You're like, oh, can I just take tonight off? Can I just right. it? <laughs> And that's, that's when you know that this is not good. But I, I guess that that's, that's what has worked for me. I'm not just telling, you know, telling the listener to do something that I think could work for them. This has this has this is what worked for me, so I'm mm-hmm. sure that you, you can scale it to yourself as well. Like this year, especially, I started a few different things. Um, you know, started a couple of products at work, started a podcast, started a few different things that really allow me to bury myself in. And regardless of a pandemic, regardless of the politics that's happening and whatever it is. 
at the end of the day, I st I'm still happy and satisfied with what I'm doing because right. yeah. no amount of COVID or politics are going to uh, even rob you of your joy. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I often say you talked about failure, you know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I, I often try to look at it like this. Failure isn't the end. Failure is a stepping stone. Just move on. Just keep moving on to the next thing. You're going to fail. I mean, that's going to happen, but don't just go, oh, well, that's it. I failed. No, it's a stepping stone. And you should have, hopefully you learned something along the way too. So, In fact, I will say you probably should hope to fail at some point. And this is why. So unless someone or something tells you that you're doing something wrong, you don't know exactly what you're doing. You can assume that everything is right, right? So right. that's when feedback becomes really important. Mm -hmm. And this is a big thing with the user experience, but something that can also be applied to life. So sometimes we launch products that don't quite work. For a, it can be for a variety of different reasons. But we don't just abandon it and say, oh, we wanted, our goal was for, our, for 500 users to sign up in the first month. Only 150 mm -hmm. did. Let's just close it up and <laughs> shut it down. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, first off, it's good to measure what, to understand what success means, right? And that's something that goes back to, uh, to purpose. But when you know what success means, if you measure it and you haven't reached that success uh, for a variety of reasons, iterate, change something and measure mm -hmm. it, right? You don't just quit the entire thing. If when you fail, you just don't abandon it. You under, you're like, you understand what didn't work, change that or experiment. Try something, something like a variation of it. But you, don't just, you don't just abandon it. You don't abandon a purpose because this particular, you were not, not able to achieve this particular goal. That's, that's just not feasible. Exactly. You're not going to agree. Agree a hundred percent. And you mentioned your podcast. What is it? If you want to. Just a shameless plug. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right. So. My podcast is called The Industry of UX, and you can find it on your favorite podcast app, or you can go to theindustryofux.com. We talk about user experience. I bring on guests. We talk about what work, what doesn't work, different stories from different people. Uh, this Friday, the 18th, I, I, we're going to have a new episode with Matteo Trisolini. He is a customer experience expert, and he was able to go from having a, a, his business almost tank right after mm. COVID started. But because he spent so many years leveraging customer experience and building relationships with his customers, his customers told him, literally told him, you're not going anywhere. Let me give you money so you stay in business. Mm. So he goes into the details of explaining what he did, why what he did worked, and how he was able to build these relationships with his customers so that the customers came to his aid when he was in trouble. And his employees, because he used the same um, principles with his employees, his employees did the same. 
when some of his employees got COVID and had to stay at home, they called him and told him, give us tools to work from here. We want to help. So it, it's inspiring. And that's going to come out this Friday, 7 a.m. PST. Um, but overall, uh, you know, give, it, give us a listen, give us feedback so we know what we are not doing right and we can iterate. And uh, so far, the podcast has been great to do and I'm having a great time doing it. Uh, I've listened so to a couple and there are some people in there that are way smarter than me. <laughs> I'll just say that, but they're very fascinating, fascinating to listen to. So I would encourage anyone to go listen to them, even just to understand, like you said, because a lot of what you do is behind the scenes, you know, just to understand what goes into all of this. Yeah, I think you have a great point. Even if you're not necessarily in the industry of UX, of user experience, even if you are in an adjacent industry. Mm -hmm. Come and uh, take a listen because there might be takeaways and insights that scale out of a specific industry and could scale to your position, your job, and your life. So it's always good to learn, you know, these insights that otherwise may be missed. So, and I think one of the most important words you said that it's about it's relationships. People, we have to have relationships. Even though we're separated right now, we can still have relationships. So, exactly. Well, thank you, sir. This has been great. I'm so glad you agreed to do to uh, to do the show. Um, anything else you want to shamelessly plug before you go? Uh, that would be it. Uh, <laughs> if you if you're interested in uh, learning more about UX, you can either again. Take a look at the take a listen to the podcast, or you can write to me directly at hello at filippolavotti.com. Thank you so much for having me on. This was a lot of fun. And oh my God, this was <laughs> this was such a great time. And you're hungry now too, right? <laughs> yes. And I also you made me very, very hungry. Well, I want to thank you again for doing what's going to serve as the last episode of 2020. We're going to take a holiday break. And after the first of the year, um, I'm going to kick off the year with hopefully some motivation. I have a guest that's, that's agreed to do the show uh, first part of January so we can start 2021 off right. So thanks again for joining us and we'll see you then. Thank you for having me. Excited for the motivation episode in January. <laughs> yeah, come by and take a watch. All right. Merry All Christmas right. and Happy New Year. Merry Christmas to you too and Happy New Year. All right. We'll see you. Goodbye. <laughs>